Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Good morning, church. Today's message is called One Having Authority. We're going to be focusing on Jesus' core mission and purpose of teaching. We'll be continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark, so please turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. And we'll be in verses 21 and 22. From these verses, we'll pull three points. The first, he taught. The second, he amazed. And the third, he had authority. Before we get into the text, please join me in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for gathering us now so that we may hear your word and study the Gospel of Mark together. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to reveal to us the truth in this passage we're focusing on today. Continue to guide us to your truth, helping us, being a light to our feet. And help us, as we learn these things, Heavenly Father, to apply it into our lives so that we may go out into the world and be salt and light and be faithful ambassadors to you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, again for this time. We thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit that guides us and comforts us. And we thank you for giving us Jesus so that we may have a way to you. And we pray this in your Son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the following is an excerpt from Time Magazine's website, which was reported last month. And it reads, as those working from home adjust to connecting with each other remotely, video conference hiccups abound. One such video conference issue became internet gold. It's easy to see why. Our identities do not translate very well to the whole team across a video. That's especially true if you're a potato with a face. Liz Ocampo who works as a department head at a non-for-profit went viral for morphing into a potato for a video call recently. Ocampo had originally downloaded the filter for an informal fun event on Friday night, but she couldn't figure out how to turn it off for the Microsoft Teams meeting by Monday morning. Twitter user at Petty Clegg shared the following. My boss turned herself into a potato on our Microsoft Teams meeting and can't figure out how to turn the setting off. So she just stuck like this the entire meeting. This post has been liked 945,000 times. It's almost a million. And as humorous as this story is, it is a tragedy when preachers and, and teachers of the word step into the pulpit and put on the world's filter to a genuine believer who has the wisdom of discernment those entertainers are no different than clowns on a stage today we will see how jesus modeled for us how a real preacher and teacher of the word should act and this will take us to our main text, where we'll be studying today, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. 
which reads, <clears throat> They went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So first, let's take a look at the background, and let's take a look at the beginning of verse 21 again. They went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue. So uh, Capernaum took its name from the Hebrew Kafar Nahum, or village of Nahum. It was a very prosperous fishing village, which was located at the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus made Capernaum his headquarters after he was rejected in his own hometown of Nazareth. In our text, we also see that a synagogue is mentioned, and a synagogue was a Jewish place of worship. The Greek word for synagogue is sunagoge, which means to gather together. Synagogue, uh, synagogues originally came about after the Babylonian captivity of Israel in 586 BC, for it was at this time that Babylon destroyed their temple. So synagogues came about as a response when they no longer had a temple which was a single place of worship. These synagogues served as places of worship and instruction in any area that had 10 or more Jewish males between the, that were 13 years of age or older that were present in that area. Jews would sing hymns and expound passages of scripture just like we see churches functioning today. It was a common practice for visiting teachers to be invited to read scripture or to speak at synagogues. This was a custom in which Jesus and the apostles like Paul benefited from significantly. The fact that Jesus was invited to speak at the synagogue indicates that he had already established a reputation as being a teacher. And this takes us to our first of our key points from the passage he taught. If we continue verse 21, it continues and says, and he and, and, be, and began to teach. So Jesus did not come to entertain. Jesus did not come to put on a show. Jesus did not come for applause and did not call out for amens. Jesus came to teach. This was his mission and purpose, as we see in Luke chapter 4, verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I, sent, for I was sent for this purpose. Teachers, preachers, put away the fog lights and the light show. Put away the costumes and the props. Put away the $500 sneakers. Put away the hipster clothing. You are not called to be clowns. The world has enough celebrities and entertainers. We are not called to come up with catchy taglines. We are not called to come up with creative one-liners that our congregation will remember. We are called to preach the words of life. As it says in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And we also see in Matthew 4, verse 4. For he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are called to teach the word of God. We are called to preach the word of God. We are called to point people to scripture. We are called to inspire people to remember the words found in scripture, not our words. We are called to preach the word of God. And not just parts of the word of God, not the parts that will get us applause, not the parts that will get us a pat on our shoulder. We must preach the whole counsel of God. We see that Jesus himself used all of scripture in his teachings. We see this in Luke 24, verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So what happens when we don't teach from all of scripture, when we don't teach from all the counsel. You know what happens? Heresy happens. It mourns me that I found out in a recent study by the Barna Group that 44% of American believers believe that Jesus sinned. Let that sit in for a while. 44% of those who identify as believers those are ones who are going to church on Sunday. Those are ones who are reading Christian books and listening to pastors online. 44% believe that Jesus sinned. I believe that this is due to the lack of proper and faithful teaching of the full counsel of the Word of God. 44% of American believers to believe that Jesus sinned means that they have no idea what the gospel message even is. All I can say is shame on you if these are the people who are sitting under your teaching. Teachers, wake up. I implore you, do not be ashamed of the word of God. It has power. As we see in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of him with holy angels. And remember, it is those that love his word that genuinely love him. As we see in John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the words, but the Father's who sent me. We do not need another motivational speaker who is afraid to preach the word of God. We do not need another entertainer 
who sugarcoats the word of God. We do not need another clown. We need real men who depend on the word of God. We need real men who depend on the Holy Spirit. As it says in John 3, verse 34, He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. And this takes us to our next point. He amazed. Verse 22 reads, They were amazed at his teaching. Jesus' teachings were not his own. Jesus' teachings were not of his own initiative. We see in John 7, verse 16, it says, So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And again in John, in chapter 12, verses 49 and 50, we see Jesus also says, I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his command is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Likewise, we are not to teach our own message. We are to teach the message of the Father. We are to preach and teach his commands. For it is in his commands that we find eternal life. Look at how Jesus responded to those who were amazed at his teaching. In John 7, verses 15 through 18, the Jews, when they were the Jews, then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. If we are seeking and doing the will of the Father, we will know true teaching as Jesus taught. We will recognize the clowns that are teaching for their own glory. And we will also recognize the faithful ones who are teaching to glorify God. And this takes us to our third and final point. He had authority. The conclusion of verse 22 reads, For he was teaching them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. The very core and purpose of Jesus' earthly ministry was teaching. The performing of miracles and the casting out of demons accompanied his teachings and proved that he was who he said he was. But they were not the core, like his teachings were. Additionally, Jesus' authoritative teaching was in sharp contrast of the teachings of the scribes. Why? The scribes based their authority largely, largely on other rabbis, or you could say Jewish fathers. Their authority was built on man-made 
and oral traditions and teachings. Their traditions often conflicted with each other. So, you can say that their authority was built on sand. The scribes' interpretations or oral traditions became a second law to them, in which it eventually became as important, if not more important, than scripture itself. And this is very similar to what we find today for those who place emphasis on church fathers and traditions at the same level, if not more, than the Word of God. Please note the contrast of these two teaching styles as found in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus would say, you have heard that it was said, but I say, he was showing how weak and unfaithful the teachings of the scribes were, the teachings that are built on tradition, tradition which has so many con conflicts with each other. Jesus' very direct and personal style of teaching was completely foreign to those who had heard him. They weren't used to this based on the scribes of how they were teaching. All of Jesus' teachings are built on the foundation of the Old Testament scripture and commands of God. Jesus spoke the things of his Father, as we see in John chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Likewise, we are to speak the things of the Father too. The heart of a teacher of the Word of God is found in their humility and their obedience to the Father. In Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8, it reads, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In closing, I want you to please consider this. There is a commonly known story that comes from the life of Martin Luther. It is said that the devil approached Luther one day and tried to use the fact that every person is fallible. He presented the reformer with a long list of sins that he was guilty of. When he had finished reading, Martin Luther said to Satan, Think a little harder. You may have forgotten some. The devil then added other sins to the list. At the conclusion of this exchange, Martin Luther simply said, That's fine. Now write across that list in red ink, The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. There was nothing the devil could say about that. Yes, if we put our trust in Jesus, nothing can separate us from him. Not our past life, not our past sins, not our present shortcomings and sins, not even our future sins. If we put our trust in him, nothing can separate us from him.
Remember what Jesus said in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is no way around it. We are called to surrender to Jesus if we are to have eternal life. Rejecting his gospel message, re re rejecting his authority, rejecting following him is of the most costly, as we see in John 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my saying has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. And that is why I beg you to accept the truth as found in Scripture. As it says in Luke 11, 28. But he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. So, accept the good news of Jesus. Accept the fact that we are fallible, that we are totally depraved, that no one seeks God, that since the fall of man, there is no way to be restored except through the sacrifice of Jesus. And that requires us to put our faith in him, to believe in him. And that's not just a head knowledge. No, that's also a heart knowledge. That's really surrendering to him, not just calling him Lord, but treating him as Lord, putting him as the number one part of our lives, that he becomes the priority. This is the gospel message that if we do this, we will be saved. And you will see that your life is completely transformed. Those sins that were holding you down, those sins that you were a slave to, once you trust in him, those chains are broken. You are no longer in bondage to those sins. He becomes your new master. Remember, for he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. All the glory to God. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness.